0: Thanks for joining us here at Napa Broadcasting. Many years ago, I sat next to a United States senator at a luncheon in Los Angeles. He was near the end of his second term, had been in office for almost 12 years, and we talked about whether or not he would run again. He said very sincerely, you know, there's just so long you can do this stuff. That always stuck with me. And it's something that's true in politics, but true in the real world of leading companies and particularly large institutions. Our guest today, Ron Kraft, has spent 10 years at the helm of Napa Valley College. Before that, he has a long history of leadership in numerous educational organizations. Like my senator friend, he too has come to the conclusion that there's only so long you can do this stuff. So he is retiring from Napa Valley College but he still has a long career ahead. We're going to talk about that, as well as a remarkable career that led him to this point today. It is my pleasure to welcome Ron Kraft. Ron, thanks so much for being here with us.
1: Thank you, Jeff. It's, it's wonderful to be here.
0: It's great to have this conversation and, and, and reminisce a little, and that's kind of where I want to start. Go back, if you could imagine, to, to the summer of 2012 when you first came here. And had some of your first impressions about Napa, about this campus, about Napa Valley College. The
1: occasion on that summer as I was driving back from uh, the Northwest, uh, a Seattle college that had offered me a position. And um, we were in contract negotiation when I got a call from a friend who said, hey, w- would you stop and take a look at N- Napa Valley College on your way down? The board's looking for an interim. And I, I uh, visited the college before that interview, and walked around, and and three or four things struck me. One, we had just completed as a college many of the new facilities, so everything was really bright and shiny and, and wonderful. And it struck me as a, a a caring place. I bumped into who is now the chief of police, um, Chief Amber Wade, when she was oh, just a rookie patrolman, and um, and. Um, and it was like, hey, you know, hey. And we were the only two on campus. And she came over and I, you know, you see the badge. And she goes, you know, I'm so glad you're on campus. This is what she said I'm so glad you're on campus. I don't think enough community members really come out here and just walk around. Well, that just impressed me to death because I thought, well, isn't that a breath of fresh air? And that's really what I ran across as I started to talk with people uh, in, in all of those beginning years. We had, we had, uh, Come in. Uh, I had come into this position really based on a, a short-term presidency, so so there was a lot of healing to do, you know, walking and talking and and listening to folks. So the first uh, the first year of my um, tenure at Napa Valley College was about uh, what I call a, the healing process of of just making a reconnection with the board and with faculty and staff with the with a new president who was maybe more available than um, the previous one and and um, that was really my goal in those years and it, it was a, a marriage made in heaven from the get-go
0: obviously no two community colleges are the same but talk about the fundamental if you had to strip away so many of, of the things that you do every day Sort of the fundamental skills, the fundamental things you needed to do or that you need to do with respect to running an institution like Napa Valley College.
1: Ah, uh, thanks. That's a great question. Um, you learn as you go. I mean, uh, uh, not all presidencies or, or chancellorships that I have held are even. And I certainly learned lessons in all of them. Some I did not want to repeat which was I'm not going to do that again. That didn't turn out so well. And some you some you do learn to replicate. You know, looking back, you know, over the 10 years, you start to become more skilled in, in your appreciation and, and uh, observation of what an institution needs. It, it always needs a couple of things, and that's um, you know, from my vantage point, you know, a, a strong, central, identifiable leader that presents a, a consistent and uh, kind of equitable uh, presence. So you, you need to be at everything, uh, make sure that you're saying that, saying exactly the same things to different groups so there's no mixed messages. A friend of mine really on in my career said, you know, uh, the secret to success is uh, say what you're going to do and then which is A, and I know it sounds a little flip, but there's a gap there for, for many leaders who uh, talk but don't, but don't uh, really come through with the goods. So, you know, in terms of the, the skills, I think one is, you know, learning from mistakes and then adapting. The second thing is it, Napa Valley itself is a very wonderful, th- what I call tight community. There's very much a sense of you know Napa stamped on everything, and you know from the wine and, and the connection and the valley and just the sheer beauty. Um, so there, you can't live and work in Napa and not be affected. Uh, and and it's not a commuting kind of job. You, you you have to plunge yourself into the middle of it. And if you're not comfortable, you know, with a college, as I was with this one. Um, there's a little bit of a, you have to be a little sophisticated, but you also have to uh, ensure that, y- y- you know, it's a bit of a blue collar presidency in some ways. You, you know, you have to understand and walk and talk um, just as a regular, a regular person. It's different um, than, than some uh, community colleges demand.
0: How do you balance the vision part of it? And I'm sure once you came and got settled in, and and we'll talk about this, you had your own ideas, your own vision of what you wanted the college to be, how you wanted to shape it, what you wanted your ultimate legacy to be, versus the other part, which is the day to day reality of making the trains run on time.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the the overarching it was very interesting, Jeff. The overarching issue that I bumped into. When I got to the college, was um, the college was removed from the community? They used to say the college, you know, was out there, um, you know, a long way away. And I've and I've shared this story before, but I I met with some of the city leaders, and they t- kept talking about, you know, you know, thanks for coming over from the college. And they <laughs> said, well, you know, like we're downtown in in Napa, the college is only a mile and a half from here. And so there was this perception that the college was geographically removed, but also just uh, not a center. It was a, it was a training ground, which was fine. So, um, there was one vision that I had to kind of understand the, the, the second one was that it's what I call a Brown shoe syndrome as a paired is prepared to, or compared to, I'm sorry, to, you know, dress shoes, which everybody loved the college, really loved the college. But they saw it as a kind of an old friend, a comfortable sweater, as you will. you know mm-hmm. It's our college. It's, it, it wasn't it was highly regarded for its comfort and its culture, but not necessarily its place in the community. So my vision right away was to heal this town and gown issue, bring the college more into the vanguard and start to have lots of activities at the college, offer the college up as a meeting place, a gathering place, for performances and culture and arts. And um, that worked. We started to expand those conversations. So the college slipped into conversation in, in city, county, regional conversations, much more as a central player um, over the last 10 years than it than it was at the beginning. And that finally culminated in what I what I call, you know, kind of a community hub concept. What if the college were What if Napa became a college town and um, and um, it wasn't known just for wine, but was known for the strength of its of its educational complex, uh, like some of the small college towns that you, you recognize up and down the state or throughout the United States. So that was a driving vision that I I saw overarchingly from the get go.
0: How much is this issue, the separation that exists between the town and the college? From from your knowledge, and we'll talk a little bit more later about some of the things you've done in the past. To what extent is this something that goes on at community colleges throughout the state? The separation that exists sometimes, and and what have you seen in terms of best practices for that, where it's worked so well?
1: Um, yeah, yeah, that's it's right. Well, we were set up, I think, you know, for the last for many decades uh, to as a community college system to attract access. We were going to be the big, um, and still are, leveler where a, a, everyone could seek education, have access to education, and then through that training and education, you know, improve their lives, improve their station, whatever it might be. And so it, that, that was equated with a commuter school. So let's build large campuses with a lot of parking where people can come in, easily park. There was a lot of conversation back in the day about an entrance and an exit. You know, um, make it easy for people to get into the core of the college, attend their, attend their class, and easy to get back out to their car. Reduce traffic. Well, that, it's interesting if you talk about that. I mean, the, the theory there is you know, the, the college is diced up into 45 minute parsecs. Uh, you know, you're, you're really not interested in this person hanging out all day or using the library or attending a success center or joining clubs. So some of, the, of this, you know, separation that occurred um, was planned separation, thus make it a commuter college. And that shifted when we shifted, I'll call it like five to 10 years ago. We started to shift from access, just get everybody possible in here, to success, which is, you know, rather than having a, a college student just spinning their wheels for years and years here, exploring options and careers and education, let's get them in with an educational plan and have them more progress through the college, which meant then that we're trying to keep them on campus longer. Several hours, so we started to then invest in student services, um, um, nicer lounges, uh, on-campus cafes, bookstores, other kinds of things, which starts to change the look um, and feel of a of a campus. So that that shift is continuing, and and we may have an opportunity. I don't know later to talk about you know residential housing um, and some of those. Um, shifts within the state and the, and the nation. But community colleges are now seeing themselves as not only central to growing a, a person's success and access, but being, um, being a more, in some ways, traditional college experience where folks can progress through in a fairly, amount, a fairly short amount of time and um, succeed without without this seven- to eight-year kind of one-class-at-a-time uh, access issue that was pre-planned.
0: To what extent is that putting pressure on community colleges, that they're expected to do more, they're expected to, to act more quickly in terms of what they generate for students— and at the same time, it creates more financial burden, more administrative burden, and that money isn't always there in a lot of cases.
1: It's true. I mean, the, the, at the heart of it is, um, you know, maybe uh, um, the heightened uh, customer service experience that we all expect. So, you know, bells and whistles, where we used to call just basic, right? The, the community colleges were very basic in their approach Um, not all but most in california and as we started uh, more services bells and whistles as as i talked about and you know other student experiences um beautifying the campus those um those expectations of the student from parking you know why should i pay for parking you know should you know, um, it, signage. You know, very critical um, technology. Um, Wi-Fi everywhere on campus that that's a- available. Um, security with um, security forces or police forces. So the safety and insurance of that. And then it 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 got it it got so highly tuned where the expectation of a student or a community member walking on campus is um, pretty much the same as you would see at any nice facility that was private. So it should look look like a hotel. Um, it should feel, you know, like a convention center. Um, it should it should offer the same kind of customer experiences. You know, we used to say Nordstrom experience, but maybe it's something different now. Um, but um, all those expectations are fully enforced. And if they're, if they're not met, then, um, you know, the president's office generally would hear about it, you know, from, from somebody. Um, and that does put financial pressure. It means that we, move, we have to move money from classroom, from the faculty teaching classroom and support to other areas of the college that are um, required to be competitive with other community colleges,
0: what is it that you think made Napa Valley College unique? What was its special sauce when you got here? And is it the same today, or do you think that it's different today as a result of, of, of what you've done? Hmm.
1: Well, two questions. I you know the the result of what I've done. Um, basically, you see what you see what you have to work with, and. So we we have this beautiful campus in the center of a very beautiful valley. So the uniqueness, you know, of Napa is all about the uh, grapes and and hospitality and now restaurants and all of that. Um, the the key programs that I believe we have developed over the years, over the last decade, are the viticulture and winery technology programs um, and as i've expressed in other interviews the college now is um, the largest in terms of number of students in the united states you know in this kind of education area um we have significant philanthropy that's flowing into um, the college in that regard um, the other unique aspects i think uh, of the college are is its uh, unique location. When I when I shared a little while ago when people thought the college was way out there, um, several things happened before I got to the college and, you know, maybe even 10 years before where the infrastructure of Napa, the city of Napa was massively changed through um, water projects, bridges, um, flood control projects and that and it really just connected the college to downtown. So the the unique aspect really is you've got this uh, couple hundred acre uh, property that's beautiful that is now um, very desirable in terms of its location because it's it's walkable or bikeable or certainly um, you know Uber from almost anywhere. So we 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 have found ourselves slowly becoming more of the center. Of Napa, and as I recognize that from the leadership side, then you lean into that, which is okay. let if if ge- geographically we're becoming more the center with the growth around us, then let's embrace that growth and start inviting more people here um, for cultural events, as we said. So we had a uh, a brainchild of one of our vice presidents, Oscar haro of a mariachi concert festival and um we really leaned into that brought groups in from all over the us and and the state and um advertised locally and had a thousand people come out to watch this uh, mariachi festival right at the heart of of the the kind of latino um cultural basis of what makes a lot of the agricultural um, success of the valley possible And, and um it was um, a, a brilliant move, I think on on the college's vantage point to tap into and respect and, and, and admire the community that that really serves us. So it, it has been this constant movement towards embracing the community that has made the difference.
0: And talk about the ways in which you've seen the community change, the demographics have changed. Um, not unlike a lot of other places in the country, there are there are wider gaps between different groups in the community. How, how have you seen that evolve personally, but how has it been reflected in the college itself and, and what you've seen take place here at the college?
1: Um, interesting that, that um, staff at colleges, staff meaning non-faculty, um, tend to turn over quickly at many colleges. At, at Napa Valley College, the staff and faculty um, for many, many years were in in positions of, uh, of of being there 10, 20 years or so. When I came in, was the first wave of retirement about 10 years ago. And about 70% of the college um, faculty and staff are new. And um, so w- recognizing that um we were able to, and have been, you know, actively kind of looking to see whether we could broaden the diversity of faculty and staff. And and to be frank too, we've been helped in this regard because a lot of our applicants tend to reflect the demographics of the community. And um, we are a Hispanic serving institution, which means basically that you, you recognize that a large percentage of your population of students, um, uh, um, come from a, a Hispanic—that's the—that's the term that the federal government uses, or Latino, Latinx um, background, and um, we're at about sixty percent or so. That's growing and can, continuing to grow. Um, the there's a a, a bit of a, a an issue in Napa in that the cost of living is extraordinarily high, um, as you could imagine in the Bay Area. Um, but to, to help offset that, the wages are also extraordinarily high for like positions. So the Napa Valley wine industry is the top paying wine industry in the world, um, bar none. So you take any position from a uh, grape stomper all the way through you know, a sales associate or manager or winemaker, they're going to make more Napa Valley than they will anywhere else. And, um, and our, the prices of our Cabernet certainly would recommend that but the um, the, I think those demographics changes um, the expansion of um, faculty and staff have have changes and so the community has changed really um, in in two other ways I would say that the the, 10 years ago when I came in the valley was um, very much uh, looked at as from a visitor vantage point, as up valley. Most of the um, visitors really wanted to go up to the northern part of the of the valley, St. Helena, Calistoga, um, Yonville, and Napa, Napa itself, the city of Napa, was really more of a staging area. That is completely flipped in the last 10 years, where the city of Napa, which is near the college and the first thing that you hit when you come into the valley is now the draw and and most people are staying in the city of napa for uh, shopping eating staying hospitality and then driving up um, to visit wineries Um, and that that shift has been um, pretty dramatic the the success that that we've seen in terms of being hospitality-centric, and I think, you know, visitor-centric is probably exemplified best by Yonville, which is a, um, you know, a, a very successful, albeit very high-end kind of experience, but um, um, the, the shifts in the valley, it's interesting. I'm not quite sure where we're going um, with it, but um, but the college is trying to keep pace, and, you um, we are seeing now that we believe there's a real opening for Napa Valley College to be a residential college. And um, we are in the final processes of solidifying the planning and getting ready for construction of a student housing complex, residence halls, apartments, and um, you know more of a um, on-campus environment versus what I was talking about earlier as a commuter college. The college now turns to students, married students, and even married students with families living in and on the campus, um, which is quite a shift.
0: How do you think that that will change the institution? I mean, the reality is that, yes, they will be housing, but things have consequences, sometimes intended, sometimes unintended. When you put that on the existing superstructure of the college, how do you think that the college will change in other ways?
1: You know, it just kind of goes practically. I, you know, there's technology is a big driver. Uh, uh, you know, uh, my own kids, when they were in high school and early college, were as interested in sitting down and at their console and playing a game online as they were of taking a hike, um, the so I, I'm not sure how that's going to play, but living on campus, um, part of what I talked about earlier, you know, our, our new complex is only going to be five minute walk from a lot of shopping, eating, dining experiences, and and also to parks, golf courses, all of that. So I am thinking, I believe really, that not only is the the student housing complex going to be a changer for student access and success in their training and education. In other words, they're there on campus, they're going to take more units, um, they're going to progress faster. But I think that they're going to enjoy their lives and they'll be more balanced. Um, they'll I hope at least there'll be um, you know less commuting time on their behalf um, more focus on studies but certainly more focused on clubs on student activities that now have to happen on campus we're not going to close on the weekend as we have in the past Um, we're going to have six to eight hundred people who live there so we have to maintain a, a level of um 724 if you will um, you know that our, our gym usage and our pool usage and tennis courts and libraries all of those things now can be more central and um, and i'm also of the notion that once students live work and study on campus that kind of energy that you feel um, you and i might be talking about going to see a play on the weekend and and decide not to go to the college but because it has its own momentum and there's energy on the college, it becomes more attractive. So I can see us in the future opening a restaurant um, through our culinary um, institute that serves not only our students, but also serves the community and our wine tasting um, bar, which we're opening up to go with our viticulture area um, also would attract people from the community. So I, I think it's a synergistic um, thing that I'd like to look at and say like five years from now, when I look back, um, there's great energy on campus in a mixture of community and students. So I, I think it's going to be very exciting.
0: Which brings us to where you are at this particular point in time, this housing initiative that you have worked hard on for many years here. You mentioned earlier what's going on with the winery and viticulture program and the philanthropic contributions to it. All these areas that are going to change, that are going to grow, exactly what you've just been talking about. You will be somewhere else. You will not be here to see these to fruition. Talk about that, and and how that impacted and played into the decision you made.
1: Yeah, thanks. It's interesting. The uh, I've got a lot of energy uh, in, in talking with uh, you know the the vice presidents or leaders in the in the college faculty members and students about what I see you know for the future. So there's a lot of ideas and. And visions that I have for the college—that um, you know, a new president and and team and faculty—you know—can either take or leave. Um, I think we are headed in the right direction, and I feel that I'm leaving the college in a very strong central role in, in uh, or at least much stronger central role um, in the community than what I found it. So. Do I have to see the grand opening of the, of the student housing in three years? It would be good. It would be good. But, you know, the way that I'm built as kind of an innovative, uh, change-oriented entrepreneurial president, um, um, I'm very interested in, in now affecting, um, you know, a, a change for other institutions as well. So, one of the very first things that I, um, I, I I wished for my career and my family, wished for my career was um, to be in positions w- where I could influence the success of as many people as possible. So, and that's served me well over the years. You know, whether it's writing or you know, talking or leading or whatever it might be. So, I felt like I've done a really um, good job at Napa Valley College. And I think there's a natural time um, to, to step to the next adventure. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about what's going to happen with Napa Valley College in the next five years. And in 10 years, Jeff, I, I think it's going to be and will be um, one, the absolute jewel of the system. Um, it, it's got so many checks that you would look at it and say, you know, does it have this? Does it have that? You know, where is it? Well, it's on a river and a golf course with student housing and a beautiful campus and the world's biggest, you know, winery situation and with, on, you know, on-site um, performances, et cetera, et cetera. And, and um, I think it's going to be a destination for international students, for national students, and also for locals. So I'm ready. I'm ready to move to a new adventure.
0: We've been talking a lot about the things that have changed here in the 10 years you've been here and the influence and the impact you've had on that. Talk a little bit about the impact that the institution has had on you. How are you different than 10 years ago as a result of your experience here? Oh, no,
1: that, that, thank you for that. That's interesting. There's a life cycle of a president. Um, it could be analogous, you know, kind of growing up, but you know, we have spoken about this before, but the, generally speaking, the tenure of college presidents coming into the state system, California state system is short. Three to five years max. Um, you just can't keep all your constituencies happy and, or do the right things. And so those of us who've been in our positions in longer terms, you, you know, you get to see the fruition of some of your planning and also discover what works and what doesn't work. So uh, impactful. I I think over the years, the second kind of phase of a college president's career is is in in one job is trying to understand how you relate to the institution and how the institution relates to you. So somewhere around year five of of my tenure um, here, I was able to look myself in the mirror and see that I, this college and I were one, that I wasn't a new president, that I wasn't, you know, trying to overcome the shadow of people before me or work through their stuff, that truly I was kind of um, the leader. It takes a while for that. So this, the last third, the impact really on me this, these last, you know, four or five years has been... Um, a sense of freedom, um, both in conversation and in um, trying to establish and identify the issues, not only in this system but uh, you know at the college, and and you do recognize the limitations um, that you have. Uh, one of my mentors, John Maxwell, is quick to say, you know, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. That's his kind of a, his his statement. And it took me a while to really understand that there's, there's nothing in the president's role that uh, guarantees you can do anything. Um, it, it's about building influence, um, having people trust you, um, and, uh, and uh, keeping true to that. So the lessons that you learned, the impact on me was, um, I feel very fortunate, but also grateful to the institution that I was able to move from a, you know, a, what I'll call a, you know, rookie presidency year one to ten years later being, you know, an effective president who can spot issues before they before they really become bigger, um, and you do your best to do that, and also to just, uh, you know, kind of move more seamlessly through. You grow a little bit older, which is good as well. So you have a perspective. Uh, I have learned to have a perspective that, um, you know, to to correctly be able to identify tactical versus intermediate and long-term issues. So housing, as you said, it's taken me pretty much the entire 10 years and here we are 10 years later and we're getting ready now to get, get construction. You have to be in, in this biz for the long haul. And as you said before, you know, um, Do what you can do to to change the institution um, for the better. I think finally, too, this has been a nice thing for me. Um, When I came in the Napa Valley College, I wrote on the board, it's all about the students. Um, That has appeared on my my bulletin board in my office and has stayed there all the time. So I haven't strayed from that. And I think that I've been able to mentor um, now tens, uh, and tens of faculty, staff and leaders to kind of have that perspective. If this is good for students, um, we're okay with this decision. And if, if not, we really need to think it through a little bit. So it's been, I'm very grateful for the for the 10 years that I've spent with the college.
0: If the past year and a half of the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that change still can happen, will happen with respect to all levels of education. When you look out at the community college landscape from your point of view, ten years from now or fifteen years from now, how do you think it'll be fundamentally different?
1: That is a dangerous question, but so thanks so very much. <laughs> uh, um, the, the, you know, there are the the educational futurist part of me, the technology part of me, and, and I'm very much in the vanguard on this, believes that we're going to continue to recognize the advantages of artificial intelligence we're all we're using it deeply already Um, from uh something so easy as a a text um platform where a student would inquire um, instead of calling somebody on the phone and getting a real person they they can inquire a, a series of questions and the and the responses are tailored to them in a text format Um, that feels at least like you're getting attention. AI is also starting to push the way that uh, curriculum is developed and pedagogy, that kind of way that you teach, is developed. So I believe that we're going to be sharper and better in in using technology. Um, I think it's the it's the teacher's best friend and shouldn't be a faculty's best friend. COVID really did change a lot for us. Um, we, we shifted literally in a week from only 30% online to a hundred percent online. Um, not everybody was equal teaching or learning in, in, in that. And so, the changes that really came over the last almost two years now, right, we're working, you know, a year and a half, it has been um, this acceptance that technology is not a bad thing, um, but it's not the overall answer to everything either. And that the the teaching paradigm is going to be hybrid, this combination uh, of uh, teaching learning. I think also, uh, you know, the... The, the big changes from COVID, if if I can stay on track here you have to help me but you know have, has been really that we're a lot more nimble than we thought we were we, we can change it has to it has to mean though that everybody sitting at the table all the all the labor groups the constituencies faculty staff administrators board the community have to be able to agree that they're going to move forward in a way that is powerfully oriented towards student success. And and at Napa, I think we did that. So and up and down the state and nationally, a lot of colleges did that. Some were unable to be as nimble as we were and they have closed their doors. A lot of a lot of privates have actually closed their doors because they weren't able to shift. Um, but but we were. So um, I am really looking forward to big shifts. I think structural issues that have been legacies of the past, you know, operational reporting issues to the state, um, the kind of unbelievable paperwork that has been required um, from the local colleges, um, you you know, the endless kind of metrics. in some ways, serve no one other than just to you know build um, receptacles of of information. Um, so, I think we're going to learn a lot coming out of COVID as we start to gather all of this information. Do students learn better? You know, wh- what does this cohort of students look like? Do they are they going to be more successful in their careers or less successful? You know, the high school students that we just got in who who didn't complete their last two years in person, whether they'd be better college students or worse. So there's a lot of lessons that uh, we're going to be aware of in the next uh, five that I think are going to shape um, this kind of Socratic method that we use now. I mean, not much has changed since ancient Greek, uh, you know, there's a blackboard and a teacher, and, you know, you sit there. So we'll see. We'll
0: see another part of this that seems to be changing is that with all this talk about community colleges being free something there for everybody that we seem to be talking more and more even though nobody says it specifically about a kind of K through 14 system how do you see that in the context of where community colleges are today it's
1: interesting we you know we were it's kind of going back to the basics we were a K 14 system um Back in the day, fifties, um, sixties, and then in most, including Napa Valley, where we were, the the college was established as part of the K twelve system, and just was uh, kind of seamless. Um, I think that it's going to go the other way. I, I I believe that the community college system, which we, as we've been talking about, our highly developed, highly customer service, good technology, and great infrastructure, I believe what's going to happen is many of those colleges are going to be leaning into four-year degrees, limited four-year degrees. This has happened in Texas, Virginia, um, Washington State, and through many other states. So you start to ask yourself a question, You know, what if? So what if Napa Valley College was able to offer a handful of four-year degrees. What's that look like then? Well, it keeps people in the community, spending, living, loving the community, and maybe not going away. Right? I mean, you know, to um, you know, to another spot for their for their education. So I, I'm I'm more betting that the California Community College System um, not legislation supports this right now because there are pilot programs here. But I believe that in the next 10 years, um, the community colleges will be serving literally millions of students, you know, completing their baccalaureate degrees. Um, And the value orientation there for somebody is tremendous. So they're going to be able to finish their baccalaureate degree locally, um, uh, you know, and in many cases for little or no cost.
0: What are you going to miss most about Napa and about the college?
1: Oh wow, a lot of good things. I mean, Napa is extraordinary. I remember my my very first week, I was invited out to a meeting uh, um, with a superintendents, and um, I got directions. It was I thought I was lost. I, you know, I was kept driving out in these vineyards, and you know, pulled up to a, a beautiful white barn, you know, with a a great um, combo playing and wine served and, you know, hors d'oeuvres. And then we sat down and we had a, you know, a superintendent's meeting and I thought, well, this could be good. (laughs) You know, (laughs) there's nothing, nothing wrong with this. So, I mean, the quality of life, it, it, you know, simply the the amenities available in Napa are extraordinary. It it, it is really in some ways, you know, unreal. And, and, um, and it's not fair, or equitable all the way across the spectrum for Napa residents. I recognize how, how you know um, lucky and fortunate I, I was to have a position I was where I could you know avail and you know have a meeting like that. Um, I think the the visual beauty it, you know is in, is incredible. Um, I I think one of the things that I'll miss the most is the sense of community. Um, you know, Napa's are very tight. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, helping each other, leaning in. I'm very much uh, a product of my upbringing in East San Diego County, which is, a you know, a smaller uh, kind of more, you know, agricultural um, community. I am ready for a, 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 a more uh, diverse or inclusive um, um, situation. A larger university or college campus could be very, you know, intriguing as a, next part of my journey. And, um, and, and they all have to answer the same question, which is, you know, where can I affect um, student success and change lives um, using all this, all the stuff that people have poured into me. And now I feel like I can really get back.
0: And as you move into that next stage, what do you want to do that you haven't done? What are the muscles that you want to exercise that, that maybe haven't been by all the things we've been talking about?
1: Um, interesting. You know, I've, I've so enjoyed being at a small college because you really are CEO. Um, you know the kind of leadership, businessy aspect of it, and uh, president, which is um, you know kind of a figurehead. But and and a superintendent, which is more of a, a political, you know, o- o- overview. Um, I think what would be really interesting in the next stage is to is to either be a you know chancellor of an institution or um, a college president of a um, where I can exercise more of the lessons that I've learned in speaking and working with with uh, maybe legislators or with larger groups. See if I can affect change in the policy level would be very interesting, but also um, stay close enough to this, to the student, um, vibe, if you will, that, um, you know, working in, working in Washington, DC would be awful. Um, working <laughs> and, you know, buried in some cubicle and, you know, in some, you know, high education kind of, uh, role, um, leading an institution where you can really work with a board or, group or students or to really affect change at the institution um, it is exciting. So I'm not sure what it holds, Jeff. I, I, I think the next stage is, is more about exercising all the stuff that I've learned um, and bringing that to bear on an on a institution that can really uh, use that.
0: And finally, kind of bringing it back to where we started, how did you know this was the time, that this was the moment to, to move on?
1: I've always been a uh, a believer in intuition and um, you, you know you can it can be overblown but almost all of the good decisions I've made have been intuitively undergirded I kind of just knew it felt right and I can say the opposite is true almost all the bad decisions I made I was talked out of my instant my intuition <laughs> and um, kept Kept somebody too long, or didn't take something, or whatever it might be. So you know, there were a lot of factors in me considering, you know, kind of, uh, you know, stepping away from from Napa, both personal and some family, you know, conversations and wanting to, you know, d- you know, d- kind of spread my wings in a in a different way. Um, but I but I really believe that. Um, um, well, maybe maybe just that. You know, maybe just that.
0: At the beginning, did you think you'd be here for ten years? No, I didn't.
1: I, you know, I, I had served as a uh, a university president of a of a uh, multi college um, in in California, and I had served as more of a system um, vice president or vice chancellor or president, however you want to term it, up in the Washington State area, and I and I really wanted to come back to California to say okay, I really love the community college world and I think I can contribute. And I, I remember having conversations with some recruiters and other folks, which was, well, the average tenure is, is when I came in in 12 was only 3.7 years of a community college president, very short, too much angst and uh, the job can be completely debilitating if you're not structured right for it. Um, you have to be a natural. Um, so I, I figured five years would be good. I was excited um, that when the, when the board renewed my contract and then again, we renewed it again. And I think we probably could have continued to do an, even another contract. Um, my current contract goes through 23, um, the June of 23, but I decided to step away a, a bit earlier. Um, and it just felt intuitively right. Uh, I think the system is in good shape. The college is in good shape. Um, there's always minor issues that have to be dealt with, but uh, I'm leaving an institution with a, a very good framework, a lot of good stuff on the runway, and um, I, I believe some solid work for somebody new to come in and take it the next, uh, you know, the next five years or ten years if they if they have the wherewithal.
0: Ron Kraft, superintendent and president of Napa Valley College for a little bit longer. I thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on all of this today.
1: Thank you, Jeff. It's a pleasure to, to talk about it. Yeah, I still have uh, several months in the saddle and we'll try to continue to make as much change as possible. And uh, it's it's great to uh, be with you and looking forward to, uh, to um, seeing you soon.
0: Again, thank you so much for sharing all of this and all the best in whatever lies ahead. Thank you.